You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Welcome to church. Good morning. morning. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you made it. Grab your Bible. We're going to open up to the book of John. We're in the New Testament, the book of John. So if you're new to the Bible, grab it, open it up to the middle, take a little right, and you will find yourself in John chapter 15. I want to give you a couple things as we're getting started this morning, things to think about, uh, things to pray for, things to celebrate. And on December 19th, it's the, the last Sunday that we'll have regular service in, uh, in this year, um, we're going to do something which hopefully is going to become a tradition here. We're going to have what we call the legacy service. So we're going to show you in that legacy service um, just, there's so many cool things. So many wins that have happened this year. We've got tons of video we wanna be able to show you. And kind of uh, not, just, not just be accountable to you for where the money goes, but to also celebrate the life changes that are happening. And it is going to be phenomenal. I can't wait to be a part of that. I can't wait for you to see all the things that have happened because of your generosity, because of your tithes, because of your offerings. Lives are being changed. There's an eternal difference being made and you get to be a part of that. It is awesome. I can't wait for you to see it. Um, also, um, not just are we having that, but uh, this week on social media, I made an appeal for us to help. Um, we, we got a call in uh, from Haiti, and we have some friends there running an orphanage, and they had 25 different families that they're connected to that were displaced by two earthquakes that hit Haiti. And um, they asked us for 25 tents for, the, uh, for these families to be able to stay in until they're able to get their homes rebuilt. And that's just a, an amazing thing that they could call us knowing that we could ask you and that you would respond and so the total cost for that with shipping and everything to be able to send that was around four grand. And so I just made an appeal if you'd like to help what you guys give. Let me just tell you, you guys are over $9,000 giving in just a couple days. Uh, that is insane. That's a big deal. Yes. One of the coolest things in the world is to be able to give a call back and say, hey, we've got you covered and we have more than enough. What else do you need? <laughs> so they said, well, we've got, a, we've got one of our vehicles for the, for the orphanage that has broken down. I'm like, we got you covered. We're on it. So I just wanna say thank you for being a generous church. It matters, it makes a difference. Thank you for giving, thank you for loving, thank you for being generous. Um, it, it's a big deal to me. So I just wanna make sure that you hear that from me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get into the word together, shall we? Yes. John chapter 15, John 15. Uh, we're gonna read through the first eight verses here and believe that God is gonna show us some things that we need to understand. As I bring a message today called Huddle Up. Somebody say, Huddle Up. Huddle up. Now, if you are a, a transplant into Longview, uh, from a different state, you probably don't understand that our order of priorities are God first, somebody say God first, God first. family second, family then football. <laughs> and sometimes that, that number three gets switched into the number two and I'm just saying, mistakes were made. Uh, but if you don't understand about, uh, about Texas, you won't understand that, that football is a big deal to us and Thursday nights, Sunday mornings, during the playoffs, Saturday afternoons, and Monday night. Those are all holidays every week. They're all holidays because we've got to watch some football. Doesn't matter who's playing. And then there's sometimes that baseball is a big deal if one of the Texas teams are playing good, uh, which, uh, which fortunately, t- this is one of their years. It's a great, it's a great thing to have our uh, Astros, I say our Astros, <laughs> in the World Series. We're doing as good as we can to just, okay. Come on, Rangers. Figure it out, man. But in Texas, football is a big deal. And one of the things that, uh, uh, that is the coolest moment of a young guy's life is being able to actually play Texas high school football. 
And to get your uniform on, that's a big deal. I remember the very first time I put on uh, pads, I had no idea which pads went where. They give you like 50 pads and a pair of pants. You're like, how? how I got shoulder pads around my knees. Like, I don't know how this works. Uh, but finally, I got, to, got a chance to not only put on the whole uniform, but get into the game. And in the game, as soon as you walk in, the first thing that you do as you're walking onto the field is you huddle up. Your entire team gets into a circle, and the leader of the team barks out a play. Now, you'll realize in that moment that things are spinning, that people are cheering. There's all kinds of things that are going on to distract you. And if you're not careful, you're going to miss the play. And so what they normally would do is a good quarterback will repeat the play at least twice. He'll tell you something like trips right, belly option on two. Trips right, belly option on two. And uh, you, you may understand in those moments exactly what that means. I never did. I'm like, I'm just going to go line up here and see what happens. Which is why, you know, that's the reason why I didn't play NFL. Just because of that. There's no other reason. <laughs> but that huddle is where everything becomes crystal clear about who's doing what, where you're supposed to be, and where we're going, what we're trying to accomplish. It's the huddle. And as we're looking in John chapter 15, I want you to kind of see through the context of Texas football, uh, through uh, a different way of, of kind of understanding exactly what Jesus is doing here. Because in the story, from some background and some context, Judas has just left. Judas is leaving to betray Jesus. So the only people left are the true believers. Now remember this, just a few moments ago, Jesus has looked at each of them and said, one of you is going to betray me. And none of them thought immediately, it has to be Judas, he's the one. And for most of us with the gift of discernment, we're like, yes, it's, it's him. We all know, it's him. But in their honesty, in their transparency, in their brokenness, they start asking Jesus, is, is it me? It might be me. And I love how their hearts are pliable and open. They're receiving from Jesus in this powerful, intimate moment. But Judas has now left and only the disciples remain. And Jesus says, huddle up. Texas version, huddle up. Because we're about to run the play that changes the world. We're about to show you exactly what's going to happen so that you can become all that God has called you to be. The world will never be the same after this moment. I'm about to go to the cross. You're gonna think that things are crazy. You're all gonna scatter. But let me just tell you, give it a couple days. As a matter of fact, give it three and the world's about to change. Everything changes after the third day. And so Jesus is about to run the play and he gets with his disciples. He says, look, I wanna make sure that you're very, very clear about what you're supposed to be doing. I wanna pause right there for just a moment because that is the most uh, frequently asked question that I get as a pastor. It comes in either in the form of what in the world did God want from me or how would I know that I'm doing it? It speaks to our purpose. And Jesus makes himself very, very clear by repeating the same phrase in about 12 different ways in eight short verses. He makes sure that they understand who God has called him to be who God has called them to be, and what it looks like when they're actually doing it. And in that simple eight verses, we find who God is, is expecting us to be. Follow along if you would, starting in verse one. Jesus says this, I am the true vine. Somebody say true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Somebody say prunes. It's not just a fruit, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. That's a word for somebody today. You can't bear fruit by yourself. It must remain in the vine. Now, who's the vine? Jesus is. He says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. Jesus, you just said that. If you remain in me, he says, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, somebody say the next word, nothing. nothing. In Spanish, we would say nada. nada. <laughs> nothing. You can produce nothing. He says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it still speaks to us right where we are today. I pray that we would understand what you're asking of us, that we would understand who you are, and we'd become who you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we're getting into God's word today, I think it's important that we see that Jesus is right on the other side of their next faith step, and he's calling them to come on. He's calling them up to something higher. And in this moment, those disciples have no idea what's coming, but Jesus is confident in their ability. He says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You're about to change the world. You don't think you're ready, but you are. And I can't help but look at this and think of how many times in my own life that I've thought, God, I'm not ready for this. I can't do what you're asking me to do. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. Well, I've never said I'm not smart enough, but other people have said I'm not smart enough. But I think I'm smart enough. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't. I'm not physically able. I'm not spiritually able. God, use somebody else that's way smarter than me to do this. I can't. But God is speaking right to their supernatural ability even when they don't see it. And he's standing on the other side of them saying, come on, you can do this. Now we see this reflected in nature all the time. It's easy for us to see you know, a, a, an animal that produces some young ones and they'll, they'll wean them off of their mother's milk and after a while they'll teach them to hunt and teach them to provide for themselves. We'll see this happening with birds when they, they raise up some chickens and, or some chicks and then at some point they make the nest really uncomfortable so that those birds have to learn how to fly. We see it. And here's what Jesus is doing to his disciples. He's saying, you're ready. We're ready for what? You're ready to change the world. No, nah, that, that, you do that, Jesus. Jesus, you've got the whole world in your hands. You take care of stuff. You take, the, take care of the big stuff. I'll just pray for my meal, and I'll go to church on Sunday. That's about as, as, as far as I'm, I'm able to go. I'm, I'm little. You're Jesus. But Jesus speaks to their potential and does something in, in the play that he's calling that helps them to become who they've been called to be, even without them knowing it. And I love that in this moment, I wanna give you a few things that is incredibly important that Jesus speaks to his disciples that he's still speaking to us today in what he says and what he does. The first thing that Jesus does, and if you're a note taker, you might wanna write this down, he defines the roles. Defines the roles. You know, if you're in a game and you think that you're the quarterback and you're not the quarterback, you're gonna have problems as soon as that snap happens because you're the wrong place. But Jesus is very clear about one thing that we like to reject but it's very important to God, and that word is authority. Yes. Authority. Who has the authority? Who gets to call the play? Who gets to throw the ball? 
Who gets to catch the ball? Jesus defines the roles, and he's very clear about the position. He says, I am the vine, not you. He says, my father, he's the gardener, not you. Well, Lord, what am I? He says, you're the branch. You're the branch. This is your role. You know, back in the sandlot days, we would gather together, we would huddle up, and we would draw a play in the dirt. We'd use a rock or a bottle cap or a piece of glass. Like, I want to be the piece of glass. That's pretty cool. Okay, you're the piece of glass. You're going to go right here. You're going to fake it this way. I'm going to throw it this way. I'm going to run it this way. This is exactly what Jesus is doing. You have to know who you are and who's in charge. You see, in life, it's easy for us to look at God's word and say, yeah, absolutely, it's an authority thing. It's a different thing when God says, yeah, but have you submitted to my authority? Can I tell you what play to run? Or do you still believe that it's your world? You get to call the plays. You get to decide what's right. You get to decide what's good. You get to decide what's important. It's all about you. There's an authority issue that keeps many of us from becoming who God has called us to be. It starts with authority. As Jesus is very clear about who he is, about who God is, he comes to the place where he explains who we are and where we fit in this whole process. This is who I am. This is who God is. This is who you are. And he says, it's a submission issue. You have to recognize the authority. I think this is what keeps a lot of people from ever experiencing all the goodness of God, from ever becoming who God has called them to be, because it's about authority. I want to give God a few things and let him take care of those things, and I want all this to be my personal little world. And we have issues with submitting all of these to his lordship and allowing him to use them to bring him much glory. Here's the second thing Jesus does. Not only does he define the roles, he defines the responsibilities. This is what you're responsible for. This is what I've called you to do. And he's very clear about what that is. What's God's job in this situation? What's Jesus' job and what's your job? He says God's job is to prune, to prune you. And I want you to know that God uses a couple different things to prune our lives and neither of those things are very convenient and both of them are extremely painful. This is where many of us will never become what God has called us to be because we don't like pain that we feel like is purposeless. But God will use experiences and pain and pressure to prune us. That's a lot of P's. I understand. It's alliteration. But that's how I remember. <laughs> then he also uses something that many Christians have rejected as the authority in their life. And that's his word. The Bible tells us his word is the knife. It's the sword that he uses to prune away the areas of our life that do not line up with his word and that are producing nothing. It's painful, but it's right. God's word tells us in Hebrew that his word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and it divides between the, the joint and the marrow, the, the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. See, this is where the word of God goes from being just words on a page. You don't, just, you don't just read his word, but then his word begins to read you. It begins to prune away parts of your life that God says that doesn't belong there. Now, in our day and age, this word has been called into question because we throw away the parts that we don't like. And we only take the parts that we can use to prune someone else's life because we foolishly believe that we're the gardener. Right? No, not you. People in first service, people that are watching online, we don't do that. But we will use the word of God to try to prune someone else. 
when God's word was meant to prune you. Do you see the difference? He says, my father is the gardener. He prunes away anything that he says, that's not bearing good things for you. And he uses our life experiences and our pain to bring us closer to him and to force us back to the authority of his word. Do you see this? He defines the roles. He defines the responsibility. And he says, okay, that's my, my father, his job is to prune you. My job is to be the vine that connects to the branch. That means that from the presence of God, I'm gonna bring you everything that you need to produce much fruit. I'm your source. And man, years like 2020 and even 2021 have done everything that is worldly possible to try to sever that connection. To keep us from trusting God, from believing God, from putting our hope and our faith back in the vine that gives us everything that we need. It tries to separate us from his love. It tries to separate us from our, from our church. It separates us from hope. This is what life does. It tries to get the branch disconnected from the vine. It does it with things that we think are good called busyness. We're busy. Let me just uh, remind you that productivity and activity are not the same thing. And most of our life is really active and really busy. The question is, is it producing what God has called us to produce? Is it really worth anything? He's very clear about his job, about God's job, and he's clear about our job. He makes two statements over and over and over and over. Nine times he says the same thing. Your job is to remain in me and to bear much fruit. He repeats the play over and over and over again to these blue-collar workers that have trusted him with their life and their future and their outcome. Every single one of the people that are gathered around Jesus will die in just a few years later. They'll all give their lives for the cause of Christ. And Jesus says, your job is to bear much fruit, to give away your life for things that make an eternal difference. This is your role. You see, we don't like that because it's not sexy. We don't like that because it doesn't tell us how amazing we are. But Jesus is very clear. He's not, he's not hyping you up. He's giving you something of real substance and real value. You see, the worst thing, the most, the most cruel thing that we can do as a church is to tell you that God's got a great plan for your life and never tell you what that is. Jesus was very clear over and over. He repeats, your job is to stay close to me and then to produce what I'm giving you. Produce fruit. He defines the responsibilities. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That tells us very clearly that no believer can generate anything of eternal value outside of a relationship with Jesus. If we're not receiving anything good from him, everything that we do with our life ends with us. It produces nothing of significant eternal value. Nothing. Here's the third thing that he does in these short eight verses. He begins to define the results. The results. That means that he gets to determine how you score, how you put up points. Now, not to earn your salvation, but what your life looks like when it's actually productive. I think many of us would ask God, what do you want from me? What's my purpose? But a better question was, how would I know if I was actually doing it? What does it look like? And so the Bible gives us and defines what productivity really is. Now, when you're reading your Bible, you won't find the word productivity. It doesn't exist. You won't find things like results-driven. 
That's, that's not biblical. But what you will find is the word that they use for those two other terms. And the word is fruit. Fruit. It's the Greek word karpos, which uh, translates back into fruit. We use this word 66 times in the New Testament, almost exclusively in the figurative language. When the Bible talks about fruit, it's very rarely that it's talking about an apple or about some grapes. Most of that's Old Testament. New Testament, the word fruit means productivity. And Jesus says, you're gonna produce. You're gonna produce. You're gonna produce. He doesn't just say, he said produce a few things. He says, much fruit. Much fruit. I think it's important that, he, that we understand what, does he, what is he asking of me? He said, you stay close to me. You stay connected to me. That's your choice. And if you do, you're gonna produce much fruit. He defines the results. He defines the goal line. And uh, he says it's gonna be much fruit. And then he says, not only will it be much fruit, it'll be fruit that lasts. Fruit that lasts. I'm so thankful in those moments that he doesn't define fruit as something that's flashy. He doesn't say the fruit that you produce has gotta be the biggest. It's gotta be the best looking. No, he said it just has to be much. It has to reproduce itself. And it has to last. See, God is a God that thinks generationally, not just momentarily. Is the fruit of your life producing something that matters? Or is it just something that keeps you busy? I love that spiritual fruit isn't judged on how big it is, but whether or not it lasts and reproduces. This is the purpose of our life, that we would bear much fruit and fruit that will last. I, I wanna give you a couple things about that we pull out of this scripture that really help us to understand what, what God is defining as, as fruit. Uh, it, it tells us that producing fruit is the, is the purpose of my life. This is important for you to understand to get at the baseline of your theology. Producing fruit is the purpose of my life. This is what Jesus has in store for me, to produce things for the kingdom of God. I'm not here to just sit, soak, and sour. I'm not just here waiting around to die. I'm called to produce something with my life. That is my purpose. Now, it also tells us that producing fruit brings glory to God. So when we say things like, Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life. I want you to, to be glorified in what I say and what I do. Producing fruit is how you do that. It also tells us that producing fruit is the reason that I was saved. God didn't save you just for heaven, but to use me today for his purposes. Otherwise, we'd say, as soon as I got saved, I'm ready to die. Let's go. It's going to heaven because that's the whole purpose that I'm here. No, 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 no. He wants to use the time between your salvation and your home going to be redeemed to produce much fruit that will last. That's a limited time schedule. It's a bookends of your life. That God wants to do something powerful and produce much fruit. So the question kind of comes then, okay, then what's, what's my fruit? What does my fruit look like? Is it apples? Is it oranges? Is it something weird that nobody else knows? My fruit is passion fruit, like easy. <laughs> easy. I want to give you a couple of things that the Bible is very clear about that should be telltale signs of whether or not that God is in the authority of your life, whether or not you're staying connected to the vine, whether or not you're producing what God has called you to produce. And the first fruit that we're going to see in believer's life is number one, the fruit of repentance. We don't like the word. It's difficult for us to sometimes process but the fruit of repentance is step one. John, the cousin of Jesus, came along preaching the message of repentance. And he says this in Matthew 3. He said, produce fruit 
in keeping with repentance. That means that when you've had a repentance moment, which means you, you've had your mind changed, you've stopped going one way, you've turned around, you've started going towards the things of the Lord, you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've asked him to, to, to wash away your iniquities and all the things that you've done that are wrong, when you've truly made that more than just words that you say, your life's gonna begin to bear fruit. It's the fruit of repentance. Here's another uh, kind of fruit that we see that, are, that should be evident in the lives of believers. Right beyond the fruit of repentance becomes the fruit of the Spirit. When you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to make choices to produce things in your life that you tried to fake before but are now actually you. There are lots of things that you could pretend to endure in front of people. You can play nice. You can act gentle. You can act like you're self-controlled until you're alone or until pressure or time or circumstances build up and the things that boil out of you are not the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of you. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit gives us the ability to not become better than somebody else, but become better than ourselves. And it produces something in us that you can't get anywhere else. Real life change, real choice change. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, it says the, it, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, man, self-control. How powerful is that? But these are proof that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in your life. And we can start choosing self-control. When I used to not be able to control myself, that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is there. His fruit affects our choices. You still with me? The Bible also talks about another kind of fruit, and that's the fruit of your lips. What you say how you praise, how you respond when somebody pushes the very end of your last nerve, the fruit of your lips, how you respond when people are, are acting one way at work and they know that you're a Christian, but you've, you, you've formerly just been kind of secret agent Christian. I'm kind of like the James Bond of this place in Jesus' terms. I'm kind of like secret agent kind of Christian. Like That doesn't exist. You don't find a lot of secret agent Christianity in the Bible. <laughs> Hebrews 13 says this, that through Jesus, let us continually offer to God, a sacrifice of praise. What is that? He said, it's the fruit of your lips that openly profess his name. The fruit of your lips is praise and professing the name of Jesus. I think this is an issue that many of us still draw the line at today because our Christianity is something that we don't want it to be offensive to people. And we've somehow made the greatest love story of all time, the only hope for the world, the only plan for God's redemption into something offensive. And because we're afraid of hurting someone's feelings, we fail to bring them the only thing that can really bring change. We fail to produce fruit in the ministry field that God has called us to produce. Now, if you have repented of your sins, if Jesus Christ has, has redeemed you, if you are full of the power of the Holy Spirit and you're able to manifest love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control, if you're able to do those things, then the fruit of your lips is the next thing. You're gonna begin to talk about it. It, becomes, it permeates everything that you say. It comes up in your conversation. You can't help it because you're in love. I don't know about you, but if you're, if you're married to someone or if you're in a relationship with someone, that person never talks about you or even never talks to you or never talks about how much they've enjoyed spending time with you, it's probably not love. But you can't help it. Love has to express itself. And the fruit of our lips is evident when we're in a relationship with Jesus. Oh, when you know him, you can't help but talk about him. 
You can't help but bring him up as the solution that people need. You, 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 it comes out in things like, can I pray for you? Instead of just saying, mm, man, that's crazy. <laughs> Come on, let me step on your toes a little bit because we will respond with, man, that's crazy and forget that God has called us to bear fruit. And fruit is lips that openly profess his name, that see the opening for the goodness of God and take a faith step to bring him in. God, save everybody at my job. Like, yeah, and I want to use you to do it. Mm. Let's pick a different place. Lord, why don't you bring in a missionary to my job? He goes, I did. I brought you. Uh, about that. <laughs> Me? I don't feel qualified. He says, no, I'm the vine. You're the branch. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Let your lips openly profess my name and my praise. And watch as the power of God begins to bear fruit in all of your life and your circumstances. The fruit of your lips. This is where we're not living in secret anymore, but we, we wake up praising God. We wake up thinking about him. We wake up in his presence. We wake up saying, God, how can you use me today to bring your, your hope and your health and your healing to any situation I come across? The fruit of my lips. Here's another version of fruit that Jesus is talking about in John 15. It's the fruit of your ministry. All these things kind of cultivate into the fruit of your ministry. Now, not every believer is called to be a pastor, but every believer is called to be a minister. You've been called to ministry. Yes, you have. Had a pastor one time that um, was preaching about uh, the, the issue that many of us will say, I don't feel led to do that. And he gave us each um, little lead keychains. So he said, next time you don't feel led, you can reach in your pocket, touch your keys, and feel led. Like, now you're led. I'm like, what about lead poisoning? I don't know if this is a good thing, but the point is there. Now we're all sick. No. But we'll do that, won't we? We forget that God has called us here to be the minister. The fruit of your ministry. This is where you use things like your testimony and your influence to bring Jesus into your world. When was the last time that you shared your story with somebody? Revelations tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That means what Jesus has done for you and how you respond to it, how you take that story to the world. Many of us say things like, I don't, I, I don't have all the answers when someone asks me about, about the Bible or about this question. I don't, I don't feel qualified. You know what the greatest thing you can do is to share your story because that's your story that nobody can argue with. And the Lord wants to use that to bring fruit into your area of ministry, your story. Use it. It tells us in Proverbs 11, it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. I love how it talks about winning souls and a righteous life. That's our fruit. There should be people in heaven because of you. Let me remind you this, uh, of this. You are the fruit of someone else's work. You're here because someone either invited you or shared the gospel of Jesus with you. Some pastor maybe somewhere, some missionary, some friend, maybe it was a parent or a grandparent that led you to the knowledge of the saving power of Jesus Christ. You're the product of somebody else's work. You are the fruit because they responded to John 15 and they produced fruit in you that has lasting effect and it is supposed to reproduce itself 
This is who we are called to be. This is our purpose. Do you see this? Here's another kind of, 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 of take on that fruit of your ministry is that where you start using your skills to serve his cause. Using the unique shape that you have, the things that God has put inside of you that produce great things for the kingdom of God. That may be your ability. Some of you are like, I don't do a lot of great things well, but I negotiate. I like to negotiate. Like, There's a role for that in the kingdom of God. There's some things that nobody else knows how to do, but you know how to do. You're like, I'm a builder. Or I could talk. Or I like calling people on the phone. I love that we have our growth track here to help you figure out what God has purposed you to do and then find an area that you can actually do that. It's cruel for us to tell you that God has a purpose for your life and never give you a chance to do it. But it's foolish of you to be in a place that offers you those things and say, I don't have time. Let me just tell you, this is the only thing that makes time worth spending on. It's the only thing that's valuable. Jesus says, you're gonna bear fruit that lasts, that makes an eternal difference. But the enemy would make us to believe that because we're busy, that we don't have time to do what God has called us to do. This is your purpose. God wants to redeem your busy. You still with me? Let us use your skills, the things that God has purpose, your personality, to bring about great change and fruit for the kingdom of Christ. Colossians 1 says, bearing fruit in every good work. That doesn't mean that we were called to produce works to earn our salvation, but you're called to your works because of your salvation. Because he saved you. He's called you now for his purpose. And then lastly, and this is where many believers will draw the line. It's where you use your resources, your money to further his kingdom. And I'll be the first to admit that churches have done a lot of really foolish things with money. But you know, Jesus is, the, the, the most sermons and the most points Jesus ever made were about money and the hold that it has on people. And it still has a hold on his people today. And we will spend our money on things that make no lasting change, that bear nothing worthy of heaven. And while things that could produce great fruit have to ask and beg for funds. I love that we're not in a church where we have to beg and ask anybody for anything. We're full of generous people that have understood what it means to be redeemed and saying, God, I have this blessing from you to be a blessing to something else. And I understand that the more that you bless me with, the more that you can trust me with, the more that you can give me to be able to fund even greater things. You're not the vine. You're the branch. And it's God's job to provide you with what you need to produce lasting fruit. And that includes your finances. His word tells us that he's given us seed for harvest. It's allowing us to have an opportunity at every payday of whether or not we're gonna allow that seed to be planted in a good soil or whether we're gonna use it for things like more toys that the kids that you're bearing at some point will take over all your toys and just break them anyway. Because they didn't pay for it. Somebody say amen. amen. They didn't buy it. Heard a pastor one time says, I don't give money to my kids. Not like that. I don't have some huge inheritance for my children. They better make their own money. We're not rich. He said, I'm rich. They're not rich. I am. That was actually Shaquille O'Neal. It wasn't a pastor. But he could be. I'm just speaking out by faith. Tallest pastor ever. But no, the pastor actually says, I, I'm giving while I'm living so I'm knowing where it's going. Because I don't trust anybody else 
with the ministry God has given me to take care of. I don't wait until after I'm died for people to divide up my money to give it to some worthy cause and hope that it makes it where God has it ordained for it. God's called me to, do, to give this. And I wonder what's your faith step? Are you producing things that are temporary or things that are eternal? In just a few moments, I'm gonna give you a chance to do step one, to bear the fruit of repentance, to repent of your sins, to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes in just a few minutes. And let me just tell you, when I do that, um, if you brought someone that you know is not saved, if you brought someone that you know needs to repent, that needs to come to a, to a relationship with Jesus, if you brought somebody to church, maybe that, that's your guest or your friend that you're hoping will repent, let me just tell you, I give you full permission to open one eye and to look at them. <laughs> full permission, because you're gonna, you're gonna do something. This, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, because when you see the moment that they respond to that story, when they respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when they respond to the blood of Jesus, when you see that person's hand raise up, when you see a tear come down your friend's face, your son's face, your daughter's face, your neighbor's face, your coworker's face, when you watch the fruit of repentance begin to happen, there's nothing else like it. Nothing like it. And I want you to get to see what I get to see every Sunday. When you realize that your life <clears throat> does something that matters matters. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Once you've tasted significance, success will never be enough for you. It's not about money and the toys and all the accolades and power. Those things don't produce eternal things if they're not redeemed. Jesus calls his disciples to huddle up and to run a play that will change the world. And I think as the church today, we've gotten off mission We've gotten consumed with things that don't matter. We've got consumed with busy. We've got consumed with politics. We've got consumed with things that produce no good thing in our life. And God is calling us back to the simple truth of just running the play. He said, you stay close to me. You stay connected to me. And let me provide you with everything that you need so that you can go and bear much fruit, bear fruit that will last, bear fruit that makes an eternal impact for the glory of your father who comes along and he prunes you and he takes the things that are painful and he takes those and makes those into something beautiful. This is fruit that will last and reproduces itself. It's your story. It's your testimony. It's your life. It's your time. Let me redeem it. You're called to run the play. As we finish today, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I think there should be a moment of honesty and transparency before the Lord as we finish today. If you're watching online today, I want to invite you to take a moment to just close your eyes and to invite the Holy Spirit to ask him a question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Have I gotten off track? Have I gotten to a place where I'm mismanaging the blessings that you've given me? Have I gotten to a place where I'm in the wrong position? I've gotten out of my role. I'm not running the play. I'm wasting time. Lord, have I gotten to the place where I've failed to use your name and bring your power into a situation where I could have? Is, am I, have I been ashamed of you? Have I been timid and afraid to bring your hope and your power into my world, into a conversation? Have I fallen out of love with you, Jesus? Because I want to come back and I want to be used for powerful things, not just to waste more time. Lord, would you redeem my time? Would you remind me, Lord, 
that I have a purpose and that the fruit of my life is good fruit that lasts and reproduces. Use me for your kingdom. Use me for your glory. Use me to bring honor. Use me to produce fruit that lasts. I sense for some of us in this place, you used to be on fire for God. But the care and the concerns, the ins and outs, the busyness of life has cut you off from that vine that was feeding you. I want to invite you back today. Jesus says, remain in me. That means it's your choice. It's your choice to come home. For others of us in this place, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just ask you, a friend, do you know what happens after you pass away? Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? Have you made a decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you're not sure, I want to help you do that right now by leading you in a prayer. If you'd like to take that step, if you'd like to make sure, if you'd like to nail that down once and for all, I want to invite you to pray with me. I'll tell you what to say, and I will help you like somebody helped me one time. The prayer goes like this. Pray with me. Just say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came, you lived and died, but you didn't stay dead. You rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart to forgive me of all of my mistakes. I invite you to connect me to you so that I can produce fruit that will last. Would you come? Would you help me? I give my life to you right now in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that was you and you just prayed with me, would you do me a favor right where you are? Would you just lift up your hand all over this place? That was me, Pastor. I prayed good, good, good. If you're watching online, I'm so proud of you. This is the most important step that you will ever take in your life. It's a big deal. As a matter of fact, today, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to connect with you. We've, we've prepared some things that would help you, some videos that would help you understand what happened in your heart and what you should do next. And the easiest way for us to get that in contact with you would be through text. Would you text the words, I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT? I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT. It'd be our greatest honor to help you to continue to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Well, Highbridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet. It is such an honor bringing God's word for here uh, for this time, for today. I believe that God has spoken to you and I believe that if you listen to him, it's gonna change your life. I'm gonna invite our elders and their wives up to the front. These guys are gonna stay here after the service is over today to be available to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer for. We still believe that prayer works. Prayer changes things. If you have a prayer request and you're watching online, would you just type it there in the chat saying, I have a prayer request and we would love to pray for you as well. If you're on Facebook, would you do us a huge favor and share this video with your social media friends and your influence? I believe that this is part of the fruit of your ministry is to produce something that brings lasting change. One of the easiest ways to do that is just by clicking share and allowing what we just shared to reach the world. Run the play. It's good for you. If you're here today live and you're on Facebook and judging by your social media, most of you are, uh, share this video if you would with your friends. 
I think it's a big deal. It's producing great things. I wanna be able to show you on December 19th of how many people we've reached with the gospel of Jesus, how many people that are in the world watching online have responded to the gospel of Jesus. It's nuts. God is doing great things here. And I'm so honored to be a part of it. I'm so glad that we're taking this journey together. He's changing the world. His call is going out in these last days to produce fruit that lasts. It's a matter of us coming together and doing what God has called us to do, amen? Let me pray for you and bless you as we go. Lord, I pray that you bless my friends with an incredible week following after you and bearing much fruit in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you wanna be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.